You're listening to The Ladies Room. I am Iris St. Moran. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. So by day, we're television news anchors at competing stations in New York. But in real life, we are the best of friends. Okay, so tell our listeners why we decided on The Ladies Room. You know, it's that place where you get yourself together, maybe fix your hair and makeup, tell a secret. Ladies know what I mean. Girl, you know I know what you mean. So you'll get to hear from some phenomenal ladies who are doing phenomenal things across the world. And our goal is to provide inspiration and information. We're on air in the ladies' room. So we are in the presence of greatness. Greatness, y'all. Literally. Oh, my goodness. Dr. (laughs) Johanna Rogers. Yes. And we're in the presence of greatness because of who she is. So she was one of the great eight. If y'all heard about the great eight, she is one eighth. Of the great. I'm one eighth. Of it. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's all I can claim is one eighth of it. Um, but yes, thank you, ladies, for inviting me to join you. Yeah, today. we're excited. So let's just delve right into it. Who is the great eight and how did the great eight come about? I know that's a, yeah. That's a deep, <laughs> deep question. question. There's like parts of it. And so the great eight, um, We are a group of women that graduated from Indiana University uh, in 2016 um, simultaneously out of the School of Education. And um, it was that moment, once we realized there were eight of us graduating simultaneously, that we said, wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, That's not something that is often heard of or seen. Um, And it had not happened at Indiana University ever. And so we contacted the Office of Communications, like, oh, it would be cute to have, like, a picture on the website. And they were like, really? Because we don't see this story. (laughs) We were like, clearly y'all not hanging out in the ladies' room. Because, (laughs) you know, for the black community, Mm -hmm. like, this would be, it seemed like it would be, something to celebrate. And so when we got their response like, uh, not really, a friend of mine uh, was really, really upset and disheartened by it. Um, Indiana, for many of us, was a very tough space to navigate as women of color, consistently, consistently meeting racial and gendered um, kind of, I guess, barriers mm-hmm. and various aspects of our work, whether it was within the institution, within the community we lived in. It was just a lot, especially for those of us who were not from there. And so this was just, like, another, like, tick on um, on our clock, I guess. And so she took the social media just kind of venting about how, despite our successes, um, we are often reminded that what we do doesn't matter or doesn't count. And that there were eight of us graduating and the school didn't think it was important to tell our story. And we were just disgusted. Mm. And so by the time we went to bed and woke up, the post had been like shared over a thousand times. Um, the White House had inboxed us. It was just like this. Wow. Woke up in this whole other world. And where, you know, people were saying our names and the great eight. It wasn't something we called ourselves, but kind of the community responded to and um, deemed us, right? They, like, responded to these posts and was like, the great eight, of course, why wouldn't you tell their story? And so since then, I mean, it has just kind of spiraled out of, (laughs) not out of control, but it has just gone viral, shall Uh we say. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... If you would have asked me in 2016, I probably would have still been very speechless, like, I don't know how it happened, but I guess now with some time away from it and still having people say, like, you're part of the great eight, and this is, it has meant a tremendous amount, I think, to the African-American black community um, to hear our stories, our individual as well as our collective story of kind of persisting and thriving through a space that constantly reminded us that maybe you shouldn't be here Mm. or what you're interested in isn't valued Um, or as black women, y'all still got a long way to go, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that went from, you know, going viral in the world, just kind of taking our story and sharing it and we're in social media, you know, the presentations where you see inspirational folks. And by December of 2000, 
16, Ebony had selected us as one of the top 100 influential mm-hmm. people of 2016. And I'm just like, who? Cue the, the sound of the applause sound effects, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, and we like, who? Wow. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, not the Ebony that be on your grandmama <laughs> that was on the table and we used to look I was, through. I was like, wait, I know her. Yeah, it was, that was just kind of crazy. And then, so next thing you know, we're like flying out to LA to attend this gala at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And we were like, oh my God, Wendy Houston was here. I mean, Issa Rae was there. Cicely Tyson was the um, speaker for the evening. It was just like this monumental moment that really, um, when people ask like how does it feel I don't know that I have an adjective to say like it means this but it just I just think back to the moments that being a part of that group has created um that just continues to inspire me to say that I'm doing this for my community Mm -hmm. and for my people and it's important to do so one thing I wanted to talk to you about just um the great eight there's this sisterhood, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I forgot who said it, but it's as you climb, you lift. Mm-hmm. And lift as you climb. I lift as you climb. Oh, and just talk about just the importance of that, especially not just with your experience um, in the doctoral program, but just important. Because I think with us, you know, like you hear in the intro, by profession, we're competitors, mm-hmm. but in real life, we're the best of friends and it you know that's again that sisterhood yeah and it's important and it's important and oh gosh I think part of what got the great eight unintentionally you know um to the place that it was myself and my sister scholar as I call her Nidrea and Joku we were attending a conference, and it's the same energy almost in a doctoral program. Mm-hmm. You know, like Iris said, that you all are, you're in the same space, but sometimes it feels like you're competing. Um, you're not really, but it's just that tension of you got to work, you got to be the best, and there's all these people going through that mm-hmm. are really aspiring to be them be- their best selves, and everybody wants an opportunity, and who's getting the opportunity versus who is not. And so I had some mentors who were five, it was more than five, it was about six or seven of them, who were women at the institution that held their PhDs or EDDs. And I called them my secret life Mm. of PhDs. And um, I would go to them for various things. You know, Dr. Lance was this, Dr. Hughes was that, Dr. Murtada provided this, Dr. Turner was a performer. You know, Dr. Wilson was this, Dr. Flowers was that. Um, and I would go to them and talk with them about different things. And they, too, within their own right, could have viewed each other as competitors, mm-hmm. but they were very um, supportive of one another. And so when, we got, when I got into the doctoral program, my um, academic mom, as I call her, Dr. Hughes, was intentional to be like, you all need to work together. When you get accepted for a paper, you need to work with so-and-so. And y'all need to forge a relationship together because these are going to be your colleagues in the field. And we're not going to, I guess, raise you up, if you will, in a manner that is going to be counterproductive to moving our community forward. Now, for the most part, um, that was what we brought to the work. You know, of course, there were times we had to have difficult conversations and work through. But with that charge, um, Nadrea and I, when we found that we were in spaces by predominantly men, whatever, we were like, we got to find a space that celebrates us, that allows us to break down, fall apart, build each other mm-hmm. up. And so we came up with a sister circle. And we invited other women of color that were going through the doctoral, doctoral process to meet once a month. We Everybody bring food. And it was kind of modeled after my grandmother was a part of different women's clubs. Mm. And so when I would spend my summers or whatever with her, she would have her meetings. And I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> the food is good. Just bring the cakes and it's so and so But I, I got the idea, like, maybe we need to do that. Whatever mm-hmm. my grandmother was doing or talking about in those rooms, maybe that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. Uh, and I think... 
out of that, we began to carpool. Mm. <laughs> More of us, when we went to conferences, we all packed in a room together because, you know, we live in all on graduate school. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we just reinforced the importance of supporting one another. Mm-hmm. And Jasmine, Jahari, um, and Andrea specifically were um, the people that I was really, really close to in the program just because we were in kind of the same rotation together. And the other ladies we met along the way or we were in one class with, and that same sisterly energy fed into that relationship. So maybe we studied together or did a presentation or worked on an outside project together just because we knew it was important for each, for those components. Each of them were important because that's what's going to get us to the next level. Mm-hmm. And we could go at it alone, but it would be a hell of a lot more lonely. Yes. You know, and as now that I've come out of the academic space, I'm in the community and I'm just like that same, I find myself in that same mm. space of being like, how can I connect with other sisters like yourselves or yeah. in the community or doing something with young girls or finding ways to share that knowledge or feed that energy to other people so that they can get through whatever, maybe it's a PhD program, mm-hmm. maybe it's just being at work every day, maybe it's working on some community volunteer project or just trying to deal with life, yeah. right? I think as women of color, we need a support network that looks like us, that can share our similar experiences, um, and allows us to fall apart sometimes. Definitely, you know? yeah. So I want to go back to something you said earlier. You said that obviously you all faced a lot of challenges in the program, Um Tell me about those challenges. And also, you, obviously, a first-gen doctoral student, so that in itself is a challenge. But beyond that, being at a PWI and just, mm-hmm. you know, all of the, the things that come along with that, what are some of the challenges you all face specific to this experience, and mm-hmm. how did you overcome those? So, one of the challenges I would have to say was... We all looked at aspects of race within our research. Mm. Um, For many of us, um, I can't speak to all, but uh, for many of us, not constantly, but having instances where faculty members would tell us that you're not going to be able to do this. And was that about your research, or was that just in general, you were not going to be able to attain a doctoral degree? Part of it, you know, in times when I look back on it, was the conversation is couched in research. Mm. Mm. And I don't even know that the faculty members... Now, in hindsight, I'm like, okay, what they were saying about my paper was, (laughs) Um, you know, I need to really strengthen how I write a method section, Mm -hmm. right? But I think the culture, the socialization process, the process that you have to go through to become a doctor doesn't lend to the emotional aspects of doing this work. So when your faculty are giving you feedback, they're not considering that your moms. You're doing this, working three jobs, right? Because as a first-gen student, I didn't necessarily have the resources or the knowledge, the social capital, mm-hmm. to understand that this is how it works. Everything I'm doing is doing for the first time. You know, I'm, I have my son, I'm doing school, I'm trying to figure these things out. And when the faculty are talking to you like, no, this isn't good, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you should do a different topic. You shouldn't talk about race. And I'm like, the whole reason I'm here mm. is about race, right? There's no way that I could come into this space and not talk about my people or, you know, doing research is supposed to be objective, right? There's this ideology, like, you're not supposed to bring anything to it. And I'm like, this whole experience and everything we are doing this for is connected to an experience. It's connected to making our grandparents proud because we understand that they couldn't do it. And there's stories when we read research that's, even we're not in it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, literature filled with just 
white participants that doesn't tell the story of black girls going through a PWI or what it's like to be a black boy at an HBCU or any of that. And so how can you say that our research isn't important or how we're trying to approach it is invalid? Um, and so many of those conversations were had, many tears were shed mm. because you have to figure out how to do it um, amidst this clock that's kind of turning. Um, you're in a space where, for the first time for me, I couldn't call my mom to be like, how to do this? Because mm. she, yeah. Right? Because yeah. she didn't know. And so, luckily, like I said, I had my secret life of PhDs who became like my academic moms who I could turn to, who did navigate it with kids, who did have other things, um, going on in their lives when they pursued it too, that they could shed knowledge on, and I was so grateful for them. But going through the process is really isolating. Um, although there were eight of us, we weren't all in the same classrooms mm -hmm. together. So that means we were all on different tracks, had different lengths of time committed to the process. And so you're getting this feedback in front of a class of your white peers. You know, you're trying to talk about this research in a class of predominantly white folks that probably don't understand it either. So the faculty member is looking at you like, why are you going to talk about that? The students are like, why you always got to bring up race? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and so constantly being in that space of being questioned and challenged and like the microaggressions, mm -hmm. <laughs> right, um, are very real mm -hmm. and it's daunting and it's exhausting. Um, and, you know, it has lasting effects. It has affected our health, um, sometimes relationships, your hairline, <laughs> just a lot of different things, just yeah. a lot of different things on a lot of different levels. And that is something, you know, that the grade eight, I'm not sure that the title lends to, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. it's like, oh, eight black women graduated and this is great and this is awesome. Um, but if you sat, you know, I'm only one eighth. If you mm -hmm. sat Jasmine or Nidrea or Tiffany or Dee, um, Shannon down and asked them about their journeys, all of our journeys are going to look a little bit different because mm -hmm. our experiences were different, mm -hmm. you know. So some of us worked full time and still did this. I didn't have that experience. Um, and so there were other challenges that they may have had that would be different than mine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, did they ever, at any point, do you feel like they attempted to change your narrative? I know you said that they talked a lot about your research, but did they ever try to change your narrative and kind of get you off track of, ooh, excuse me, of the whole uh, race, you know, the research that was embedded that was in race? No. No. I think... Um, I was, as I said, I mentioned The Secret Life. I think I was fortunate enough to have some mentorship that understood um, what I was trying to do and was very thoughtful about helping me understand how to think about the work. And so I knew I was going to do this work. It was very challenging and daunting. And as a matter of fact, I was in the car. I have my last two chapters I'm reading in my car, still in my dissertation. Oh, yeah. um, and so they, I knew that I could do it, right? But it was a frustration of going through the process to figure out the how. Mm. And that's part, when you get to that doctoral level of education, it's not like someone handing you the prototype to be like, hey, this yeah. is, you know, follow this path and you're going to get done, right? Like, you really have to go through this roller coaster ride of figuring out how to tell the stories or how to construct your research. And that is where it doesn't matter who's supporting you. Mm -hmm. It gets really, really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. it got really challenging for me. Um, but I had people say, oh, Johanna, we don't know that you could do this, mm. or um, my background is in um, creative arts, so yeah. performance and that type of thing. And so I come to 
this work ready to like describe the greens and mm-hmm. the slows and the trees and the sunset. Yes. And they're like, ain't none of that in academic writing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I really had to go through layers of myself uh-huh. to figure out one semester, I was like, how did I learn to write? Mm. Like I took an independent study just reflecting on my own life because I'm like, I'm a black girl from Newark. Yeah. You know, I went to pretty decent Catholic schools, like on the not like people pulling up in Bentleys, yeah. and, <laughs> but like you had parents that work and you went to like suspect, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just a, what seemed to be a regular, you know, kind of Catholic working class Catholic mm-hmm. school. And um, I said, well, maybe I didn't learn to write well, mm. you know, like maybe my whole life did not set me up mm-hmm. to do this. And I'm just like, well, damn, you know, this is what. We talk about when we talk about like schooling and where your kids go to school and um, the injustice uh, of funding Mm -hmm. certain schools and defunding others Mm -hmm. based on performance because it does really limit what individuals are able to do later on if schools don't have the science labs that can give you the biologies and anatomies and how are we going to have doctors from diverse audiences, all that, right? So I spent, like, how did I learn how to write? And I had to really, like, dig down deep within myself to figure out how do I learn best? How did I learn best? How was I taught? And what's that, what is the shortcoming in that? And how can I recoup it? And that's really tough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really honest <laughs> and, like, in the mirror, like, totally um just being like almost your naked truth Mm -hmm. right and um that is not a process most people want to go through yeah because it is definitely not enjoyable (laughs) but I had to do it in order to figure out how I'm going to get through this process you know because I started it and I didn't took out the loan money (laughs) yeah Make it play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're going to have to figure it out because I can't tell mama she ain't going to say Yeah, so I don't know that any... I don't know that at any moment I felt like I wasn't going to do it. But I think at various moments I was trying to figure out how. Hmm. How am I going to do it? And um, even me coming to Syracuse was... You know, a mix of happenings where my funding stopped and they wanted me to go back and work on my proposal more. And I'm like, I'm out of money. I just spent like a year couch surfing. Like, I don't have, I don't have anymore, you know. And so I'm like, I have to go out in the world and get a job. Mm -hmm. And I'll get a job and that will help sustain my life. I have my son. I got to sustain my life. And then I can finish writing Mm -hmm. when I get like stable with y'all. Playing games. I don't got too many howls left. (laughs) You know? And so that's how I got to Syracuse. And um, Sharon Owens hires me. And I'm like, okay. You know, I got this piece together. I got that piece together. Usa, Mm -hmm. let me get back to this. You know? Um, And that that was real. You know? That was a stop moment. Um, But I understood that that was just part of my my journey. You know? The beautiful part because it created oh my God, the greatness. It, yeah. It, yeah. I wouldn't have been a part of the great eight mm-hmm. had it not happened that mm-hmm. way, right? Mm-hmm. If everything was on track the mm-hmm. way that it would have happened, I would have graduated before that even occurred, mm-hmm. you know? And that's when you know that God, the mm-hmm. universe, whatever, like things planned for a reason. Because I was like, I was, I was supposed to be done in 2015, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I never could have imagined that all that happened to get me to be a part of that. Ooh. And you're That's needed beautiful. here. And you're needed here. Oh, yeah. And we're <laughs> oh. going to delve into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me take another drink of my <laughs> going deep. So, you talked about... We need like three hours with you. Nice. Okay. There's just so much. <laughs> so I can come back. It'll be a come back. series. Yes. Yes. Y'all. I think. So you were talking about, because um, there's so much to, to you. There's, you were talking about your um, uh, performing arts background. And yes. you just wrapped up um, in Auburn. Yes. The, for color girls mm-hmm. who consider suicide when the rainbow isn't enough. If y'all haven't heard about it, seen it, get the book, watch the movie. But you were... 
on stage. Yes. Yeah. How was that? Oh my god. What part did you play? <laughs> I played Lady in Green. <laughs> I'm wearing green today. <laughs> yes. And we got all red and oh gosh. So I think part of the process, right? Because it, it doesn't stop when your dissertation stops. Um, and like I said, I'm still reading my chapters for my father in the car. But um there's this also this like after processing. Almost some people say it's almost like grieving, mm. but I, and in some ways it really is because um well I can't say that it really is, but it it's a deep emotional process that you go through. And I will say that four color girls provided a space for me to pour everything that I have been feeling, wow. gone through trying to articulate, right, from, because I'm talking about going through this PhD process and becoming a part of the grade eight, right, but I haven't even talked about being a person, right, just being like a black girl in the world, like, at the club or or wherever, right, and so Four Colored Girls was this magical opportunity that it was directed by Gwen Webber McLeod, and... I had not had a space to like exercise my that aspect of who I am. Mm-hmm. Like everybody just was like, "Oh, she's a smart girl," and I'm like, "No, I'm really a performer. That's really what I would do mm-hmm. all day if I could." And uh, it was after we were all at um, you can't fail uh-huh. yes. conference, yeah. and then I'm like, "Oh gosh, one day I just want to sit with Gwen and just like talk to her." Yes, because <laughs> she is just Amazing. wonderful. And then like it was like. She didn't say nothing at the conference. And then next thing, you know, a lot was going on mm-hmm. on her Facebook page that she's having this play. And I was like, number one, if you're into performance or anything like that and someone puts up four color girls, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's in a hundred mile radius. You got to go. Yeah. Because it doesn't happen that often. Um, and where else can you be a part of a performance that really speaks about the whole being of being a black woman? Except for in this play, right? And so I went, I was like, I don't know who's going to audition. I don't even know where Auburn is. <laughs> <laughs> but I found it and I walked in and it probably made my entire year. Um, the production was wonderful. I met some really great women. And so I had been like a professional in the city and working at the Southwest Community Center and all of that. And people had come to know me through doing that work. But I really hadn't made a whole lot of like strong friendships here. And so it gave me an opportunity to like connect with just some black women just and just be sister friends and have folks over for dinner. And we laughed and we danced and we talked about the lines from the play. It was a whole... Wow. I think everybody just needs to be in Four Color Girls. Yeah. All black girls, y'all just, let's just come together. Let's just perform productions everywhere and just be a part of it. It's just a wonderful, breathtaking experience. The words from the play, not so much the movie. The movie, you know, Tyler took some liberties with it. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the play, the artistic way in which this woman talks about being a black woman... And she wrote it in, like, the 1970s, but it's still so applicable today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just fascinating. And I think every person who's interested should have the opportunity to be a part of it. Yeah. So that was like a sister circle on a, in a different space. Yes. It's a continuation of that sister circle that you had when you were in Indiana. Yeah. But just here in, in a, like, circle a, like a circle. Right. And yeah. it, it was like I didn't even try to... That's initiate awesome. that one mm-hmm. that one just kind of came together but I think it just reiterates the importance of having strong sister yeah. networks like it is unimaginable the, the possibilities um, that could come out of those spaces when we take the time like sit down like we even are just like and we say, okay, Johanna, enough. Let's focus on Iris. Iris, tell us your story, mm-hmm. right? And you just figure out ways in which you're connected or different and the talents and strengths. And the, it's just a beautiful, 
a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, okay, you're from Jersey. I'm from Jersey. And you're here in Syracuse. And I'm both here. of us, we're not natives either. So, mm-hmm. you yes. know. So, we I, need to have a circle. We yes. do. We do. A and ironically, <laughs> we've all kind of made this our home. Right. Regardless of the snow. Y'all know I'm from the south. And the I'm snow from the north. Be, I don't like it either. Yeah, it just it doesn't mix. <laughs> but what I find so remarkable about you is the fact that you have made this your home. And you've created this CNY Roots organization. Mm-hmm. And yes. we know with, you know, the data and the stats that we look at on a regular basis, the young people, they're coming here, getting their degrees, and leaving. Yep, and then absolutely. they typically never come back, you know. And so right. you all are trying to kind of change that trajectory, which yes. I love. I absolutely love that. And you know what? It's so funny because the secret life of bees and my mama, right, who all of them in some ways are my mama, but um, my mama kept telling me, you can't afford to go to New York City. Mm. Like, it's like you can't afford, listen, you can't afford to live in New Jersey if you really want to be honest. <laughs> I think that was her way of just when I like, don't come back to my yeah. house. But um, it's true. There's, you know, the, the financials, what it requires is, is going to take up so much um, that you won't get the opportunity in some ways to live the life you want to live. And so I was just like, you only saying that. Because you don't want me to be around. <laughs> you know, I'll be dancing on cabs and auditioning for Broadway. And she's like, I just need you to go to work and get benefits. But, um, and so I came to Syracuse as kind of like a temporary holding place. And, you know, a job opportunity opened up. And it was doing exactly, in some regards, what I wanted to do was leverage my knowledge and my skills into a community that needed it. And I needed, you know, uh, a supervisor or whatever that really allowed me to, like, bring my talents into the workplace and challenge me and help me grow in a professional capacity. And Sharon Owens was, I couldn't have asked for a better person um, to do that with. She was exactly what I needed. So the universe or God or whatever, Mm -hmm. again, right? And so... I wasn't planning intentionally to stay. Mm. It was like I was going to be here and I'm going to look for a job and I'm applying for jobs in Utah. Because, you know, similar to you all, you have to go where the job is. Yes. And so I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of universities between here and the city, Philly, you know, and I would get interviews and nothing was falling out. And then um, some folks would like go over to Southwest and I'm like, what am I going to do at the community center? (laughs) (laughs) Right, what up? Hello. Want to go to the community center? Yeah. Okay. Um, All right, I'm going to go on over here. And it turned out um, that it was a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm in a space where my talents are utilized, and I feel like I go to work every day, and I am making a difference, and I show up, and I'm represented, and I've been invited to tables that would take me 30 years, Mm -hmm. if not more, to get to in Mm -hmm. a space like New York City, right? Because I don't have that type of historical Mm -hmm. legacy. My daddy, you know, isn't so-and-so, or my mom isn't so-and-so, and so so those doors aren't going to just open for me. Um, And so a mentor of mine, Dr. Murtada, had said, sometimes you have to go to the spaces that you had never thought of mm-hmm. and be a part and be a mover and a shaker and show up because those are the spaces that are going to provide access to the opportunities and sometimes have the greatest need. And so I'm like, yes, Syracuse is that, but I don't want to be just a professional, mm-hmm. right? I want to be a whole person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I stayed here, you know, it's more affordable, yes, which is attractive being a young professional, but I'm like, I also need a social life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say it again. But I also need a social life. <laughs> yes. Because my finger is kind of in, okay, we're not going to go back. Um, come back and talk about that. <laughs> we'll come back. back. Offline. But, you know, you want to have a social life. Like, yeah. I'm spending a whole lot of gas money, you know, speeding down 81 every weekend. And so, Victoria, I met, she was my first friend. <laughs> I met her on my first day at work and I was like this is just so dope I want to be her friend I hope she lets me be her friend <laughs> and we end up connecting and we would have lunch occasionally and I'd see her out in the community and finally we were like we should really do something you know she was doing Q's culture which I thought was great 
But that was really around business networking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but if you, like, you're promoting the culture that is here and people are hearing that, but if we don't have, you know, a group of people that's following and creating and cultivating around that culture, then what's, you know, you need both. Mm-hmm. And so I said, why don't we get together and do something? Because I'm tired of just being a professional. Yeah, I want to be like a whole person. And I went to D.C. and I hear all my friends talking about going to brunch. Yes. And I'm like, I want a brunch. Yes. And then I accidentally was in D.C. and was like, I'll meet a friend at a restaurant on the Saturday. And I didn't realize I was showing up at brunch time. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is so nice. Yes. I'm totally underdressed. Um, but it was just a wonderful experience. I didn't know anybody there, but it was just like people out. They were dining. Music was playing. It was like a good time. And it was like people were just being. And I was like, we need this in Syracuse. If we had something like this, you know, it's a cute. It has its cute parts. It has some work to go. Definitely, but it has the potential. Mm-hmm. We just need some people to come in and like just bring it out. And I said, Victoria, why don't we just go ahead and <laughs> let's bring it out? And so we formed, we played with different names, and I'm a huge fan, even in my research of Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll try to name everything after Harriet. <laughs> <laughs> and Victoria would be like, We are not calling it like, you know, Harriet Tubman's. Whatever. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no one's coming to that. But we go through conversations and we came up with, like, you know, this notion of we want people to plant roots mm. here. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we have roots here. You know, the history of um, the Underground Railroad. All these pieces. And we want people to come here and plant roots. And there's a decent enough population, population of black and brown people here we just aren't convening them, mm-hmm. right? And so we're like, okay, well, let's have brunch. And I was like, okay, well, it can't be like a regular brunch. We got to, like, have some elements. Yeah. And, you know, that's where our creative energies collided. And I thought back to my performance. And, you know, we added different pieces of that. And October 28, 2017 was the first one that we did. And we didn't know what to expect. A week before, I was like, should we cancel it? Because I was like, no, you know people in Syracuse buy stuff late. I'm like, <laughs> Not only in Syracuse. Yeah. I was, like, I was like, Victoria, I don't know. But she was like, just trust the process. And we sold the room out. Which is like phenomenal. It was a good Right, you were there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it was, I can't understand it because I wasn't here, you know, five years ago. Mm-hmm. But from the response, I think, from people was just really overwhelming about how many connections they made in that room. And I run into people that say, I got a job, and I'm working with so-and-so, or we're partnering together, or I went back to see and support. And I'm saying, like, we, there's an economic engine behind young professionals in this city, um, and I think there's a space for us. And seeing my roots is hopefully um, being seen as a cultivator or a convener of this population to say, Syracuse, pay attention. You know, we have some dynamic people here. And I think as far as retaining those folks, seeing my roots has a lot of ideas between my background with higher education mm-hmm. and Victoria's experience um, and political organizing and event planning and all those things. Like, we know how to bring people together, yeah. but we need people to get out of the way and help listen Mm -hmm. um, and allow us to kind of like try it. Has the city helped y'all with this? Because I would think as a city, if I was mayor, which political, that's not my arena. Right. But I just, I I would think as a city, I mean, like you said, an economic driver. And so why wouldn't we had 200 people, many of whom paid $50 to come yeah. And brunch, like, yeah. You know, Embassy Suites made out <laughs> great. Seeing why roots, you know, it wasn't about us, but like just thinking about that. And so we have our next one coming up, um, in April. Yes, on fire. Yes, yeah. And so we're excited about it, and we're sending information out for sponsors, um, and that type of thing. And so I know. Well, I can't say, so this is a political conversation, but I'm not political, so I don't know what I can say or Uh cannot say. uh But I think that, like, um, I think the city would 
I know that at that time, Ben Walsh was the only political person that showed up and had a table at the brunch. Um, and he, a few days afterwards, because the brunch ended up being like a week and some days before the campaign, oh, the May, um, okay. before yeah. the election. Yeah. Yeah. And so a couple of, he had a couple of more events after that and he asked us to come and he just talked about how, you know, CNY Roots, like that event just showed him the potential for Syracuse. And, but he and many other people have said that same thing. And so we're hoping... Um, to kind of leverage um, this next brunch in a way that helps us to do some more things. So we're asking for sponsorships. We're looking at um, different ways to offer some things over the summer. We're putting together like a summer spring calendar mm. um, and asking folks to contribute to it. So it's like we have this one day, but there's also consistent you know, follow-ups mm -hmm. between things that, you know, maybe it's not all 200 people will be there, mm -hmm. but, you know, you meet a new friend or a couple new folks that you didn't know before, and you all decide to go to the next thing and the next thing, and I think, you know, eventually, it's coming. It is for anyone. I think that's important yes. to yes. to really... Uh... It is for anyone. The goal is to help recruit and retain diverse young professionals. And so, um, and we use the term diverse intentionally um, because we know if you look at other cities, it's not just, you know, one particular group or another group. Like, we, let's come together and um, see as young folks what we can do to turn the city around. Yes, trailblazers, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, meeting in the ladies' room, need to maybe have a podcast yeah, outside the well, door. Well, well, well. Right? That's awesome how you said, I mean, you know, and Iris told me about the event when the October event and just how phenomenal it was and how many lives were really changed it's from so, that. I was just like, I, you can't, didn't I can't get that. it. I, yes, and I... People have said that they've probably been waiting and waiting for something. And it seemed to me, Victoria and I were very, like, as we say, kind of lockstep in this. And, you know, we came together and our, our both our talents and strengths just balanced. And we were like, we just want to create a dope event. And then we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Iris was there. Mm -hmm. And I think... I turned around at one point and the room was just full of people just talking. Like the music was going, people were talking and moving around. And then I looked down at my watch and I said, oh my God, it's almost one o'clock. We got to start the program. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we were overdone it too. And, but people were so um, enthused and just really excited to just be connecting. And I heard many people say, like, I heard your name, Iris but I hadn't met you before, or I've heard a lot about mm. you. And I often say, well, we do, I see how that's possible because there are a lot of times, like I've seen you at different conferences yeah. or whatever, and it's in that convened moment mm -hmm. that I see you, but there's nowhere else in Syracuse that I would run into you. Very true. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, I'll see you next week at, Something else. Yeah. Something else. An event where we are passing. Right. Or like there's a venue that yeah. consistently attracts mm -hmm. a young, diverse crowd mm -hmm. of professionals. That doesn't happen. In Armory Square, we're not there mm -hmm. for a lot of different reasons, you know. Outside of that, you know, and so with my new role at um, Center State, I'm hoping that... Some of that energy, some of that knowledge, I can kind of, that energy, that four-color girls, mm -hmm. that CNY roots, I can inject into that space and be like, listen, we need to build some spaces where we can be as a community, you know, and we can, you know, go out on North Salina Street on a Saturday in the springtime because it's cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we can walk up and down and, hey, Jennifer, hey, Iris, hey, Victoria, hey, because people are coming and going. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, if we are going to attract young professionals, we're going to need that kind of space. Mm -hmm. Every other city that they flock to have it. You know, like you're from San Antonio, the Riverwalk. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, on Friday night after work, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. there's different venues. Like, folks are on the Riverwalk. Yeah. You know, um, 
I haven't been to Boston in that area, but I'm quite sure they have. You oh, they have. more than yeah. welcome. Don't get Iris talking about Boston. We'll be here all day, <laughs> night, yeah. and year. I gave you a great tour. <laughs> no, she did. By the she water. Did. But you're right, though. There's, yeah, a lot of places there that you can go. A lot of places in most cities that you can and go so and just kick it. Armory Square is not it for us. And so we need to create that kind of energy and that kind of space. And that's what um, I'm hoping to advocate for because it would be a great... I think this part of the world is beautiful. It is. Especially, Especially in the summertime. summertime. I know. Especially Amen. in the summertime. <laughs> Even in the winter, I'm trying to get into... I have to. I realized I tried to go skiing, but I didn't realize you need like full on skiing outfit. I'll watch you. Yeah, send us a video. (laughs) But I'm like, listen, we don't all have to be outside. We snowshoeing. What are you doing? I'm trying the snowshoe. Uh Well, that's good. Look, yeah, embrace it. I applaud your. But we have. We got to try something. But it would be more enjoyable if y'all would come with me, right? And even if we don't go outside, remember why did I get married? And they had on the cute furs with the boots. <laughs> I'm like, we could go into that. We don't actually yeah. have to engage in the activity. Some hot chocolate. <laughs> right, have oh hot chocolate. Put on our yeah. cute sweaters. Yeah. But I'm like, if there was a group of us going to do mm-hmm. it, maybe everybody wouldn't try it. But it would just be fun. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, just a fellowship. Yeah, yeah. a fellowship. Really right, because we yeah. can't walk down North Salon Street in the winter because it's cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I or any know. street. I know. Right. <laughs> right. right. Why condition? Can't even see. I know. Right. Right. No, but, that's awesome. That's awesome. I do have a quick question just. For the people who don't know, what is your nine to five? What is the job that pays you? Briefly. <laughs> right. Everything I just meant was voluntary or caused me to go in debt. <laughs> Let me be clear. Um, I am the director of performance for the economic inclusion division at Center State CEO, which is um, a business strategy, economic development um, organization, and it also functions as the Chamber of Commerce for um, Syracuse and a couple of other um, communities across central New York. So we do a lot of um, work with a variety of entrepreneurs, people interested in, um, specifically my division, we look at, you know, you always aspire to be an entrepreneur. We have programs to help you become entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. We have workforce development um, programs that we partner with the community to provide to help Try to address some of like the workforce gaps. Um, MW um, supporting the development of MWBEs. Mm-hmm. Um, also, opportunities in the health sector, right? As one of the largest employers in the area, um, and I kind of oversee that portfolio of staff and trying to help them um, figure out who's missing, who's at the table, who's not at the table, mm-hmm. and how can we help bring them to the table and make sure they are supported and included. Mm-hmm. So there's a question um, that I like to ask every guest. Um, okay. Be the final question. What would you tell younger Johanna? You can pick the age, but if there's any advice now, looking back on maybe 2016, 2015, I don't know. What What would you tell your younger self? Advice. I know. Dang, I, know. I know you got to think about that, don't you? <laughs> what would I tell? So I, in my mind, and I'm a talker, y'all. I could be on here all day. <laughs> um, got to wrap I it up. Right. I'm going back to specific moments. One <laughs> is when I would be outside with my girlfriends and I'm in my neighborhood, and we were little, and we would be putting together shows, like, on the steps. And I would, like, plan the whole show, and i create a flyer. And my mother take the fly to work and make copies. Oh. <laughs> and um, I would just tell my younger self, wow, you are going to do everything that you imagined and probably mm. more. Mm. Wow. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do those things and so much more. Because I had no idea. Yeah. You know, I had no idea. And Sometimes I would worry about not fitting into a box. I'm already six, like six feet in eighth grade. Don't give me two more oh, inches. I need right. You know, I'm like, um, my first was like, let's go to the mall. None of the clothes would fit, so I always had to wear something a little bit more functified uh-huh. <laughs> or flared out or something wacky. And I was just like, okay, you know, and I'm just like. 
I don't think I've ever been one of those people that were overly like uptight or worried about necessarily fitting in. But I also, in my own time, would worry about like, what the heck am I going to do? Mm. Because I want to do so many things. And, you know, a lot of my friends would be like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a newscaster. Mm-hmm. I want to be this. And I never had that thought. Mm-hmm. Like, I never wanted to be this particular one thing. And so I'd be like, hmm, I don't know what this means. Yeah. <laughs> that how, again. That how, yeah. again. But I was just like, I'm just going to keep moving forward, you know? I'm just going to keep moving forward, and we'll see what happens. And, and a look lot what of, happens. And look what happens. And now I'm sitting here with y'all. Y'all, like, come to the ladies' oh room. We're sitting here with you. I know. <laughs> Amazing. And there's so much more. I know. Oh, we can this talk time went by fast. The leadership, the, just so many more layers to you. But You'll come yeah. back, right? I will come back. And hopefully one day you might even write a book. And we oh can just, my we God, can, no, she didn't. Yes, I did. Yes. I took it there. I took it there. Yes, so, sorry. Yeah. Guys, um, yes, a friend of mine spoke that. He speaks that into my life very often. And I will. I will. 2019. Okay. 2019. Okay. Okay. This is on the record now. Right. So, it's on okay. the record. I'm putting it out there. I'm committing to and the process. And I want an autograph. Yes. I want an autograph. You will have autograph copies. Because I'm just like... I'm just a little black girl from Newark, you know, and um, then I get stuff in my email box like, will you come talk to us? And I'm just like, who, me? (laughs) Yes, you. Me? Like, what you want? I'm like, Iris, what you want me to say? I don't know. (laughs) But I just, I'm just honored and, and humbled and the more that I can support other people's work i'm just happy to do so yeah so congratulations to you thank, all. thank you we are, you are appreciated yeah how thank can you. people because they're they going to hear about your greatness and so they want to how can people connect with you so i have a website okay. it's johanna rogers.com j-u-h-a-n-n-a rogers um they can connect with me there um and i have a spot where they can reach out and um you know i'm doing talks and I'm trying to um, build up opportunities to go and work with young girls and do a number of different things that would help the grade 8 story mm-hmm. be more of a norm mm-hmm. than an exception. So, Thank you so much for yeah. your time. Thank you. Let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on social media using the handle onairtlr. And of course, if there's a lady you want us to interview, just let us know. We'll chat again soon in the The Ladies Room. Room.